The season is so close, I can taste it like a lovely popsicle on a warm summer day. It's right around the corner, so how should we be feeling with that Georgia game? Just four days away. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thanks for making this your first listen or your first view of the day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks every day. Like, comment, subscribe, wherever you're listening to or watching the show. Thank you to everybody out there who has done so already. I am joined today by Ryan Winter, one of my favorite guests to bring on, and one of your favorites as well, as you have all told me before, at Sports Chat 503 on YouTube and on Twitter, Ryan, it is really something that has been months and months in the making. All the time I've been hosting this show, I have covered here on the podcast one Oregon football game, and that was the Alamo Bowl with a staff that is no longer there, and players were were opting out, uh, unfortunately, and such, and the game went was... It was even more unfortunate because it was pretty ugly. Um, but the Ducks were also shorthanded. So I have been waiting a long, long time to finally have games to talk about. And we are here. Great to have you back. Thank you so much, Spencer. Really appreciate you. Love what you do here. Locked on. Doing a great job. And locked on Pac-12. Yes, indeed. So if you want coverage of the Conference of Champions writ large, go check me out, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts as well, uh, all that good jazz. Same deal with the questions as well. YouTube, Twitter, hashtag AskLOP12 or LODpod, either one. So, Ryan, the season is a handful of days away. We're just... That ticker that was seemingly at 100 days yesterday has leapfrogged <laughs> forward, catapulted itself to a number that you can count on one hand. In fact, it's this many. So, big picture. How are you feeling right now? I'm feeling awesome. I mean, I just, uh, you know, I think this is a game that you you don't get these very often if you're a Duck fan. You know, uh, you know, uh, I, I kind of like, I was talking before we started, you know, talk about just how the fans feel about this. You know, not even looking at it from, you know, the media side or the or the program side or the players, just from the fan perspective, it's a great opportunity. It's a bowl game to start the year. A lot of people are going to be going there. People are going to be going there because it's out of the region. Uh, it's it's a new, brand new stadium. A lot of people haven't gone to. Um, it's, in a, it's in an area where not only are we playing in the South, we're going to play the team that's from there. It's like playing Texas when we played the Alamo Bowl. <laughs> I mean, it was just, it's a great situation when you get to go to one of the biggest cities in the country. As a Duck fan, you're completely out here in the Pacific Northwest. You just came through out here again. Pacific Northwest does not disappoint people. But never most most of the populations on the East Coast. I mean, I, I think the Atlanta airport's the busiest airport in the country. Yep. I mean, it's just it's it, it's it's a different level there. And I think there's a lot of Duck fans that are really excited just to go, embrace it, be in the South for a while. They're already there. I've already I'm already checking Twitter. I'm going. I'm going Wednesday. And uh, I'm just fired up. I just, I love this. I love this time right now. You know, it's, I, I always kind of talk about that when you book a vacation, that time before you actually go on the vacation might be better than the actual vacation. <laughs> you, you're at work. You're like, oh, I'm going to Hawaii next week. It's going to be awesome. Nothing wrong has happened yet. Nothing. And of course, you know, with travel, everything does. If something's happened. 
And this is an opportunity for Oregon, I think, that you just don't get very often. I liken it to the LSU game. I think the only thing you can compare it to is the LSU game in Jerry World where, uh, you know, Bunny Badger went crazy. And, uh, you know, Ducks had a really good team that year. And LSU had a good team that year. And they had high expectations for both those teams. Um, the Kirby Smart press conference is great. If you haven't watched that one yet, Duck fans, go check that out. I've been watching Kirby the whole time. I've been trying to get as much as I can from him. He hasn't really talked about Oregon that much, but this week he's ready. And uh, I think there's a lot of respect from their side to Oregon. So I think it's just going to be a great game. And I think it's going to be a game like a bowl game where, you know, it might not, it might not be all that big. <laughs> it might not live up to the hype. Uh, some of the prize fights, they just, they're not maybe the greatest fights. Some of the undercards better, but it's the event that you're going for. But Dan Lanning said something interesting. He said, don't play the moment. Don't play the event. You know, don't, don't, play play the game. And I think that there's going to be a lot of fun, uh, fun times there. And then it, obviously we're going to talk about later. It kicks off a huge, huge season this year. Yeah, absolutely. With, with landing at the helm and a roster that's ready to win now. I, I mean, for me, expectation uh-huh. Get to the Pac-12 championship game, whether that's at nine and three, ten and two, or heck, eight and four could even be possible if we drop that game to BYU, which is in the preseason top twenty-five. There are a number of ways to do that, but to me, I look at this team compared to last year's team and all the changes that we've been talking about here on the show, and I say, look, if Dan Lanning and company don't get to the Pac-12 championship game, that'd be a, a little bit of a, a disappointment because. The, the tools are there. Everything is in place for you to be able to do that, schedule included. When you look at the conference slate, Oregon's four road conference games are Washington State, Oregon State, Arizona, Colorado. You could do so much worse. You get UCLA and Utah at home. Those are your biggest Pac-12 games by far. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, Lanning and company need to be shown the door if they don't get to the conference championship game. But that's just where my standards are at. And I love your comparison to uh, the vacation because when you're thinking about it, like you said, nothing has gone wrong. Everything could be good, right? It's the Schrodinger's cat thought experiment. The season can be thought of as both good and bad because Bo Nix hasn't thrown any interceptions. Yeah. The defense hasn't had any busted coverages. Yeah. Nobody important has gotten hurt yet. Everything right now, this is the moment that college football fans live for. This is what makes college football, right? And the NFL to an extent, but college football, you can just sell hope and optimism oh. and you can easily foresee the best possible scenario coming to pass and that's why it's so exciting because you just have that feeling of like i don't know what it is until we open the box and that box begins uh, this week so uh, let's turn to the actually no before we get to the georgia game uh i want your your season prediction i've got oregon going a a soft and i mean really soft 10 and 2 I, I think nine and th- I think eight and four is more likely than eleven and one. I think nine and three is really really doable um, between Washington State and Oregon State. I could definitely see one of those being an upset loss. I could also see maybe UCLA coming into Autzen and and getting a win because that could be a talented team with a fifth year starting quarterback, a great running back, and a really good transfer portal class as well. Um, but I, I've got them at a soft 10 and two, nine and three around there. What do you see? Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I mean, I would love to see 10 and two, obviously I would love to see them uh, obviously win them all, but I do think they're going to lose against Georgia or they're going to have some trouble against Georgia. If they play, if they play, I think Georgia is a little bit of a barometer, right? If they play well against Georgia, you're expecting really good things the rest of the year. If they come out and really struggle against Georgia, then we got some major question marks. 
I think that BYU is going to be a real struggle. I think BYU is going to be a major test early on. It's going to be a hell of a game. 12:30 start at Autzen, third week of September. Dude, Pacific Northwest does not disappoint. That's going to be beautiful. Unless there's some sort of weird wildfires like we've had in the last year or two, but that game's going to be choice. And BYU is a team you can't sleep on. They're a team that did fantastic last year. They're getting better. Uh, Kalani Sataki's running a great program there. And, 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 you know, I heard him on the Jim Rome show a week or so ago, and he's speaking very highly of this team right now, as all the coaches are. Like you said, it's that time before the vacation. But I do think BYU has something. And I think BYU, if they were in the Pac-12, would be in the, would be in the upper half of the Pac-12. I think if, if they played a full Pac-12 schedule, I think they'd be on the upper half of it. And uh, just where they're at this year with this team, with that talent right now. Washington State always scares me early in the year. Going up to going up to Pullman is always tough. The beginning of the year is probably better than the end of the year with the weather, but any time up there, Martin Stadium is a very, very weird Bermuda Triangle of sorts for the Oregon Ducks. Uh, Stanford at home. I mean, Stanford, you hurt you last year. You should have beat them, but they're always going to be in it. There, it feels like they're trending upward. Uh, Arizona, dude, down there, scary. In the Anything, anything in the desert Any, gives me pause. Anytime, Ryan. Yeah. Anytime. Either school, either school down there. And so that's, that's no gimme. You talked about UCLA. I'm really high on UCLA this year. I think UCLA is going to have something for USC at the end of the year. I've said that the whole time. I said that before Lincoln Riley was hired. <clears throat> and obviously that was easy to think about before with Lincoln Riley. I think there's going to be changes, but I don't think it happens overnight. I don't think it's magic on day one. I think there's uh, some things to change over there. Cal, you never know with Cal. We talked about Cal. We went in depth on Cal a little bit. I think Oregon beats them down there. But again, it's another road game. You know, Colorado, I think that's beatable. And then I think you just have the absolute gauntlet. I think Washington is going to be tough. I think Washington's tough every year, even if we were talking about agreeing on maybe them being around a four to six win program this year. I think they're going to be tough against Oregon. They always are. They, Utah, they, were, tough. they were tough last year as a yes, four win team. Yes. Utah's the game of the year. I mean, obviously yeah. we know this after last year. And then you got the Beavs on the road in the half of a research stadium, which is going to get weird. It's already sold out, which they're hyped on. I think it's like 20,000 20, seats or whatever. Half the stadium's not even going to be done. So I think it's I think it's a hard schedule this year. I think a lot of people want to slam the Pac-12 and, you know, God bless them, whatever. Let them because they haven't proven it. Haven't won a bowl game since Justin Herbert. But the idea is, is that, I still think there's quality football out here. And each week you got to bring it. Cause like you said, you can lose it. Washington state, you can lose the bees at the end of the year going into this season. I thought that the beef game, if I was to have a hot take, it would be, these are going to be ready for the ducks at the end of this year. And the ducks better be ready. And if they're thinking about something else, like a Pac 12 championship or something else like that, the bees can bite them. And I do think they're going to do a pretty good job this year against Stanford and Washington. Always. Those are the big teams to think about. But you're right about UCLA. I'm really worried about UCLA. That's the pink game. Weird things happen on the pink game as well. I like the pink. I'm cool with that. But weird things can happen. And you never know with Chip. You and I both have an admiration for Chip. You never know what he's going to bring to the table. And he has a team this year that I feel like could be his best team. Yeah, I, I will always find myself rooting for Chip. Unless he's playing Oregon, uh, of course. Sure. But everywhere he's gone... 
I, that that's a long that's a long conversation. Uh, we will be getting into a, a pretty long conversation about the Georgia game coming up this Saturday. After I tell you about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs, find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, Go Mariners, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even my personal favorite, golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting to scores and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, Ryan, let's turn to the Georgia game uh, that is coming up this Saturday. And look, I expect Oregon to be competitive. They get blown out in this game, and it's, you know, like what Georgia did to Michigan in the college football playoff, you know, 30 to 3 or something like that. I will be disappointed, and it will not be good. First game as a head coach for Dan Lanning or, or not. I don't expect them to win this game. Didn't expect them to be Ohio State last year. I think winning that game uh, was more likely than winning this one because you're going up against what I think is a more well-rounded team, whereas that seemed to be, you know, in hindsight, just kind of a perfect matchup for Oregon. An Ohio State team that was a little bit weak up front that had defensive coordinator they ended up parting ways with, and that offensive line just dominated. I don't think that this is a Georgia team – that you're going to be able to dominate like that. Does the offensive line need to be good? Yes, I've talked about that recently here on the show. I think it's the most important unit because in these games, you know, Auburn in 2019 and then the LSU game 2011 when we play these SEC opponents in neutral site games, the offensive lines have gotten overwhelmed and that's been Oregon's biggest weakness there because it's usually the biggest mismatch between the SEC and the Pac-12 is dominating the trenches. I think this is perhaps Oregon's best offensive line uh, you could probably go back to the one that, that Panay Sewell was on uh, with with Throckmorton and Lemieux uh, and Hanson up there. That was probably comparable as well. But this offensive line is really, really good. And I, I want to ask you a question that got asked to me, uh, but I want to pose it uh, to you. And I assume the questionnaire or the questionee, questionnaire, I don't know, something like that. Uh, Peyton Chiasson asked uh, via the Twitter DMs, one of the ways you get a question answered here on the show. Tweet the hashtag AskLODPod, YouTube comments, Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks. You know the drill. He says, if you're, or he asks, if you're Georgia, what's the hardest thing to prepare for? this week? I think that's a great question. What do you think, Ryan? Well, I think for all the Duck fans, I think we know pretty much what we're going to have on defense. I think the scheme, I think Georgia would pretty much have a pretty good understanding of that. I mean, obviously coming from where Dan's coming from, but I think offensively, Oregon's going to have a real Pandora's box. I I, I don't know if anybody knows what they're going to actually run. I think they're going to run a real hodgepodge of different things. I've watched so much film this year on yeah, me too. All those different stops, Memphis games. I mean, I was YouTubing all these different things. Memphis, Obviously, Florida but, State. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and 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 so I think it's gonna be a blend of all those different things. But 
I think they're going to go for it, man. I think they're going to open this thing up. I think they're going to have fun with it. I, I don't think they're going to play conservative. I I tend to think that actually they're in a very unique spot right now. I, I, I think that they have a lot to prove, but I think they have a very long rope. And I think that they have a big opportunity. The way that they're recruiting is unparalleled, even compared to Mario right, right now. I mean, they are recruiting at an incredible level. And now... That could be with Mario's help, right? Because of that brand and having all those other guys that are already here in the building and that kind of thing already established. But Lanning's doing a hell of a job and his staff's doing a hell of a job right now with their recruiting. So you would obviously think that your fans, your admin team, everybody else is going to give these guys as much time as they need to make this thing work. Like you said, you're not going to overreact in year one. I would hopefully not. You're not going to overreact in game one. There's going to be Duck fans that are going to overreact in the first quarter. But let's talk about this game specifically. I think bowl games historically don't let necessarily live up to the expectation. Yes, there have been some great games, and a great game will break out sometimes in the second half, but sometimes they start very strange. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of eyeballs. It's a huge stadium. A lot of, a lot of buildup for this. And if you're a player and you've gone through these kind of games, it almost you have to kind of go through all this stuff first before you can actually like just focus on the game. And then once they do that, everything else kind of just blurs out almost. Uh, and so, like, you know, this is a huge stadium. It's a huge opportunity. So I feel like that first quarter for both teams, you know, it's the first game of the year. Weird stuff happens every year in the first game. So you already go into it with a little bit of unknown there. That first quarter could get weird. If Oregon can score in the first quarter, I think they're set up really well. I think it's going to be hard. Big picture, I just think it's hard for Oregon to score against this Georgia defense. It's going to be the best defense they play all year. And it's going to be a good defense up front. So you're going to have to be able to try to throw the ball, but you're going to have to also run the ball to keep things balanced. So it's like you're going to have to go into the teeth of that defense at some point. I mean, these guys are going to make plays. And you look at this Georgia defense, you got to give them respect. But at the same time, there's a bunch of guys who are they're going to have to replace. There's a bunch of guys who are going to get a brand new opportunity this year to be the man. And they'll do great. I think Georgia wins. I don't think it's a hugely high-scoring game. I've talked to other people who do think it's going to be, and I kind of like that. If it's if they're going to score on, on the Ducks, I think the Ducks are going to have to score on them. And, and if the Ducks can't score on them, it's going to get out of control fast, right? So I think the Ducks are going to be able to hang there. I think the, Oregon's defense against Georgia's offense is going to be probably the most fun to watch for me up front because I think Oregon's defense is going to do a fairly good job again. Now, Georgia's offense, I think, is really good. They have a chance to score a lot of points against Oregon. But if Oregon's defense can hang with them, especially early at halftime, be within a touchdown or so, boy, this game is going to be absolutely a blast. I think I agree with you on the offense being the toughest thing to prepare for because there is no direct comparison for Kenny Dillingham as a full-time play caller. Cause he's never been that before. Yeah, and yes, no Dan Lanning. Yeah. Yes. And Dan Lanning is a defensive head coach, but it's not as if he's going to have no say in the offense. Right. I think that's a common misconception mm-hmm. because when you listen to a show, a lot of show hosts kind of simplify it down to, well, he's a defensive coach. So, you know, he's just going to focus all on defense. He might put a majority of his time there. Dan Lanning is not going to just not watch the quarterbacks or let Kenny Dillingham and Junior Adams decide who the starting players are going to be on that side of the ball. He's factoring in all those decisions, right? He is making them in conjunction with his staff. Is he maybe spending 60, 40 of his time 
on the defensive side versus the offensive side? Yeah, probably, because it's what he knows best. But the idea that he, you know, you would never hear the term, for instance, the Dan Lanning offense, right? right. That's not, it's the Kenny Dillingham offense. But it's, and, and to an extent it is, because he's the play caller. But on the flip side, Lanning's involved in, in the game planning, right? In the scheming, in figuring out the depth chart, figuring out how they want to attack that Georgia defense. He's going to be heavily involved in that. So I think those factors together make me agree with you and say, I don't know how you prepare for that if you're Georgia, because, yeah, you could look at the other ones, but Dillingham and Lanning might say, well, they're probably going to look at that tape. So why don't we show them this? And out of this look, on film, they're going to see this. But instead, we're going to run this play and counter it or, or something of the sorts. I, I think that that's a really, really interesting thing uh, uh, to watch. What I about totally, – yeah, totally, go ahead. Just really quick, I, I totally agree, 100%. I also think if you compare what Oregon's going to try to do against this team, obviously they're going to try to throw the ball. This could be a brand new opportunity for Oregon to rebrand itself. You know, I thought it was funny when we talked about – you said that, that line about uh, uh, not a Dan Lanning offense. Well, we didn't call it a Mario Cristobal offense either until the last year when it felt like Brown was hamstrung a little bit or they weren't throwing the ball a little bit. Then it became – it wasn't Joe Moorhead's offense anymore. Remember, Joe Moorhead's offense was very creative and it was very – you know, this, that, or the other. It was very efficient and all that. And then, and then all of a sudden, once it became not as efficient, once it became a little slower, then all of a sudden it was Mario Cristobal. And that's that's because the head coach, at the end of the day, has that final say over everything, right? So it's interesting you say that because everybody's talked about it as, oh, Dan Lane is just focused on the defense. And you know what? You're right. It's probably 60-40, especially Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But the game day, dude, you have to be on the offense. That's the number one. That's yeah. how you win games. Yeah, in the like he's on, he's, he's on headset. Right. 100%. Like he's on headset with all the other coaches. If you don't think just because he's a former defensive coordinator, he isn't talking with Kenny Dillingham about how much or, or, or about how to approach the offensive attack or, or maybe, you know, giving input on, hey, let's throw the ball here. Hey, let's look for this. Hey, they're doing this. Can you maybe do right? And, and Lanning isn't calling the offensive plays, obviously. I hope he calls the defensive plays because that's what he was really good at, at at Georgia and what he was really well known for. I really hope he calls the plays. I agree. But, you know, they, they released, you know, they haven't released that much with the depth chart or any of those no. sort of stuff. But they released who's going to be on the field and who's in the booth today. And Powledge is going to be in the booth with Dillingham and Lupoy is going to be on the sideline. So it's going to be interesting how they play that with Dan Lanning and Tosh together on the sideline and Powledge up in the booth, eyes in the sky. So everybody else is on the field. Adam's on the field. Everybody else is on the field. So, I mean, obviously you're going to have other guys in the booth. You're going to have a bunch of other GAs or anybody else up there. But it's interesting to see Powledge basically being – the guy for the defense up top. And I always love the idea that a, a defensive coach is obviously going to help your offense because he's a guy who, you know, how to scheme against he's, he's the other side of the ball. So it's like, especially, especially going into this Georgia game where he might have something. Now it doesn't mean just because he was the coach at Georgia means he's got the blueprint. He's got the you know playbook. That's not how it is, but he at least understands what they want to do in general. And he's going to have the opportunity to set that up so that that Oregon offense is going to be able to attack that. And I think that's a little bit underrated, the idea of how much Dan Lanning is going to bring to the offense. And again, I, I would love to see fans embrace it rather than like they did with Mario, 
not really give Mario the credit for an offense that won games. And then all of a sudden it was his fault that they were losing games because his offense was too restrictive. And, and I, I don't know what Dan Lanning is going to do, but it feels like he's given the green light to Kenny Dillingham to run with it. Let's uh, switch to Georgia specifically here. When you think about the game in Oregon going down there, it's going to be a road environment, not an easy place to play. What would you say worries you the most, Ryan? Their inside front defensively is going to be very difficult, I feel like, for Oregon to establish the run game. Even with with all the losses, I feel the same way. And, and, and I just think it's top tier talent. And I think that you're not going to see anybody else like this. Now you also have top tier talent on the outside too. So when we think that the wide receivers are going to have a, a, a unique opportunity this year, because they're going to throw it to them, that's great. But now you're going up against some great uh, secondary guys. I just think that Oregon's going to have to run the ball. I think that I just, I, I, I like football in old school fashion. I feel like if, to set up the pass, you're going to have to run the ball. I think they're going to, pass the ball to set up the run rather than in the past. Right. I think they're going to throw the ball more. I just think that this, the, 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 the modern NFL, the wave of the future is to just throw the ball more. It's trending upward. And I think this is a young coaching staff that's willing to take some risks of throwing the ball that maybe crystal balls coaching staff did not want to take those risks. And so this is going to be a tough situation. That front for, for Georgia is really good. So if Oregon can make some hay, and move the ball a little bit against that front, it gives me some positivity going into the second half because you know in the second half, it's just going to be a grind. I mean, Georgia is a, a team that it can score on you almost at any time. I think they maybe don't get the credit offensively because their defense is so good. And I think the offensive weapons uh, that they have are, are tremendous. And I think that Bennett might get overlooked as a quarterback. Uh, because there is so much other talent there, even like going into this season, there's still like the conversation of where the quarterback battle is and whatnot, but they have such talent in the skill positions that it's going to put a lot of pressure on Oregon. I do think Oregon has enough in the skill positions defensively to hang with it. And I think Oregon on the defensive side of the ball has been better in the last couple of years. It's just that the scheme was off. So they had the talent, but now it feels like you have the talent with the scheme. This could be a unique opportunity. I still think Georgia wins, but if, if Oregon can keep it within a field goal uh, late in the game, boy, this could be really, really crazy. Yeah, generally speaking, I'm not a huge fan of moral victories because the goal is to win. Sure. But there are moral victories in this game. If it's, I mean, if Georgia wins on a game-winning field goal, yeah, it would be crushing because that means the Ducks were right there until the very end and it's losing to an SEC team once again in the closing Close. seconds of, yeah. of, of a game. Uh, yeah. You know, the LSU game wasn't like that, but of course, Auburn 2011, Auburn 2019, and then uh, this would be again if that were to come to pass. But once the sting of that settles, I, I think, and I hope Duck fans would be able to look at that and say, all right, that was a really good game because that's a really good college football playoff caliber team. And one thing that I thought of, and we'll maybe close with this, that I think is uh, really important for Oregon on the defensive side of the ball. If you're going to get off the field, which is something I talked about on yesterday's show about being a generally important theme for the Ducks this year because they were putrid on third down in 2021, 46% with Kayvon Thibodeau, Noah Sewell, Verone McKinley, Mikhail Wright on your defense. I mean, it was I horrific. I, and I think it, that's scheme. 
Right? Yeah, I I, compl- I completely agree. And you don't have Thibodeau and McKinley, so the personnel is arguably a touchdown, though you do add Justin Flo into the mix to, to recoup that a little bit. But overall, I'd say the personnel on the defense is slightly down, even though some areas are up, like Flo and Christian Gonzalez. But the scheme going up should be able to allow that number to come under 40%. But against Georgia, if you're going to get off the field on third down, it is going to be crucially important for the defensive line to rush with discipline or Noah Sewell just spies Stetson Bennett or Justin Flo maybe because Sewell's more experienced in coverage than Flo at this point who has uh, an alter ego I, I've seen at, at practice. I don't know if you've seen that. Heem, yes, he is He is Heem and such. So one of those guys watching Bennett on a third down and six to pressure him if he leaves the pocket I think is really important. Might leave you a touch more exposed in coverage, but... I feel like you're going to have to win those matchups anyway, and you can't give Georgia easy first downs by rushing without discipline and giving him an open lane and then having nobody home and Stetson Bennett just jogs forward for a first. Yeah, and you know I think also everybody's looking at the tight ends, right? Like how are you going to cover these tight ends? And you know they've got so many weapons, and I think that that allows for a guy like Stetson Bennett to gallop down for a wide open uh, first down, you know, because everybody's focused on everything else. You know, I don't know how they're going to play it, and I'm assuming they're going to rotate guys through, but, you know, last year was such a problem covering the tight end in the middle, and it would be really interesting to see how they do that, how they cover that, if uh, they look more of a nickel, you know, package or whatever the case may be. But I I really would love to see Jeffrey Bossa involved in more, almost spying the tight end, because you know that this is a part of their package. I mean – it's it's the pepperoni to their pepperoni pizza. I mean, they are they are going to go to this just like Utah did because they've got quality tight ends. Utah has got some of the best tight ends in the country. Georgia's yeah. got some of the best tight ends in the country. Oregon's got good tight ends too, though. I mean, that whole room is 6'5", 250 and talented. So I just think that that's a unique, unique skill set because the timing of those plays are so unique where you have the chip block and then it's a little bit of a delay and then all of a sudden – you 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 missed your first read or just one move wrong, one step wrong, and all of a sudden it's a big gainer across the middle. So it's going to be really interesting how they stop Bowers and those guys because it's not just Bowers. I mean, he had a hell of a year last year and he kind of blew up, but their whole <laughs> uh, tight end room is phenomenal. So it's going to be an interesting game. I I just I I don't think it's a blowout, and I don't think Oregon you know uh, pulls off uh, a, a a game like they did it. Ohio State last year where they were really in control of that game basically if there was five minutes more of that game Ohio State probably wins but for the time frame of the actual game Oregon was in control and I just don't see Oregon controlling this game Um, I think Oregon could have some good plays and I think Oregon can can really put some points on the board here or there but you know big picture score wise I don't think Oregon scores in the 30s against Georgia so no, I no, I don't see that either. So I, I don't think they get win? over twenty four. Yeah, how you gonna win? The only way you win is if you keep Georgia with them in the twenties, which I don't know if that's gonna happen either because that's a hell of a good offense too. I just, I just, I feel like, or uh, you know, it's it's one of those deals where you know you got when you're so good on one side, the other side can never get the shine, right? So Georgia's offense is not gonna be looked at as being that prolific. They get the job done. I've got Georgia 34-20. That's that's my prediction there. Two touchdowns. I've been saying that the whole time. Two touchdowns. Yep. 
30, 34-20, I think Oregon uh, covers, but uh, Georgia gets it done. Ryan Winter will be down at that game in Atlanta, getting it done for supporting the Ducks wherever they go. Also, I dig the Oregon baseball shirt. You know, Let's when that go, program, when, when that when that team restarted years ago, I don't remember exactly what year it was. I, I had questions about it, and it was just like, ah, you know, uh, whatever. But, man, they have built a really – Really nice team that that I, I talked about just a little bit here on the show uh, in the spring. They got to uh, a regional, unfortunately, weren't able to get out of it. But love the shirt. Always love having you on the show. Have a great time down there in Atlanta, and do your very best to bring home a win. Thank you so much, Spencer. Really appreciate you and what you do here for uh, the Ducks and for the Pac-12. Keep doing your thing, man. I appreciate it, Ryan. I appreciate all of you listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and as always. Go Ducks.